Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Shalom, listeners of the Forecast Fest. It is I, Harry Enten, in a recording booth here in New York late on Tuesday night. Well, folks, the North Carolina 9 special election was just called by CNN. Republican Dan Bishop has held on to defeat Democrat Dan McCready by about two percentage points. Remember, folks, North Carolina 9 was holding a special election because of credible allegations of ballot fraud that may have, in fact, tipped the balance of the race back in 2018 between Republican Mark Harris and Democrat Dan McCready that was decided by less than a thousand votes. This race, Mark Harris decided not run a re-election, was still close, but in fact, the Republican Dan Bishop won by a little larger of a margin. But that, folks, does not take away from the big message, and that is that is another special election in which the Republican candidate vastly underperformed Donald Trump's 2016 performance. You may recall that North Carolina 9 was won by Trump by 12 percentage points. That was the same margin by which Mitt Romney won it in 2012. Of course, this looks exactly like the pattern we saw in the 2017 to 2018 special elections. You may recall that in those federal special elections, 11 of them, what you saw on average was that the Democratic candidate outperformed Hillary Clinton's margin by 12 percentage points. Here what we see is that the Democratic candidate McCready outperformed Hillary Clinton's margin by 10 percentage points. Very much the same. And that, folks, is a dangerous sign for Republicans because what we're dealing with now in this country is people are voting in the House the same way that they vote for the president of the United States. Donald Trump's approval rating in the district heading into the special election, his net approval rating was about even, and that matched up with what we saw, generally speaking, in the election returns. And, of course, you may recall in the 2018 general elections in those midterms for the House, we saw a record correlation between how you felt about the president and how you voted for the House. So the fact that we still see that shift occurring from where this district was in 2016 to now tells me that the national environment is still bad for Republicans, still bad for Donald Trump as we head into 2020. Well, that's it, folks, for the special little recording. Now enjoy the rest of this full episode that we recorded earlier on Tuesday. And welcome to the Forecast Fest. I'm Kate Baldwin here with my colleagues John Avlon. Hola. And Harry Enton. Bonjour. Oh, shalom. I'm what? just kidding. Oh my I'm gosh. just kidding. Something happened. Check his temperature. That would be awesome. Be we're, France. Oh, <laughs> we're coming at you a day early because it's another big week with another big Democratic presidential debate at hand. And this time it is all happening on one night, friends. We're going to talk about what to watch for on Thursday night. And then we're going to talk about how President Trump is getting another challenger. Yet the number of primary contests is shrinking. What is going on here? So let's start off this time, though, with some new and very interesting polls that have just come out. First up, Washington Post and ABC uh, News. They're out with some new national polling numbers ahead of the big debate. The top lines is where we can start. 
Harry, I'm going to do half. You have to do half. Okay. Because I'm, o- I'm only we'll share. I'm, I'm only sh- half prepared sh- for the show today. Sharing is caring. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. Aww. Joe Biden still in the lead, 29% support. J- Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren basically tied. Sanders at 19, Warren at 18. Harry. Kamala Harris at 7, Pete Buttigieg at 4, Beto O'Rourke at 3%, and businessman Andrew Yang also at 3%. I did it. You're so good. Thank what you. is the context here? Why? What? What? What matters? Here? I mean, look. The context is is what we've seen pretty much all part of the latter summer um, into now autumn, at least um, meteorologically speaking. We're in autumn, thank God. Um, and that is that Joe Biden gets around thirty percent, twenty nine percent, an average of all the debate qualifying polls, an average of them dating back since last month. You have Elizabeth Warren then at 18% and Bernie Sanders at 15%, which pretty much lines up with these numbers. That is that Joe Biden is a national front runner. But he is not an overwhelming front runner, and people in his position win about thirty-five percent of the time. So, so look, my question about that is: I mean, he is not an overwhelming front runner in terms of total numbers, but if you look at a, in the context of how big this field is, he is like heads and shoulders above everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could add up the bottom fifteen folks, and they would not equal Biden's total. But, 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 but. Fifty-five percent of those who have a preferred candidate for the Democratic nomination say they would consider another candidate. Yes. And that's where I think it's interesting to take a look at, like, if if Pete Buttigieg or Beto O'Rourke or Cory Booker, where do those votes go? Um, I, I but think- isn't this like everything a Cory, a Pete, a Beto need to hold on to stay in the race? Yeah, presumably the race, the, the field shrinks and some of them benefit. Now, we haven't really seen that yet. This poll had a lot of odd things in it. Julian Castro seems to have totally disappeared, going from hmm. 4% to, to none, for example. And that could simply be an outlier because you're talking about small numbers. But you have to imagine that while Warren has grown in this poll, and that's consistent with the trend that Harry's been pointing out for a while, uh, Bernie Sanders and Warren kind of have their own lane. And it's it's unclear that all the other candidates fit in it. I, I mean, here are a few things, a few other nuggets that I would point out. You know, you were noting, you know, the fact that you have all these candidates who are basically in the one and two percent mm-hmm. range. And we know at this point those candidates tend to fail. Very few candidates at this point who've gone on to win nominations were polling at less than five percent. Jimmy Carter being the Jimmy exception. Jimmy Carter right. being the exception. Bill Clinton potentially being the exception. But, of course, Bill Clinton was weird because 92 got started so late. But here's a nugget that I think is important in terms of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. and why that 29% may be stronger than you might think. If you break down that question, do you, based upon your preferred candidate, are you definitely sure you're going to vote or may you change your mind? Among Biden supporters, it's actually 64% who say that they are definitely behind him, which is far higher than what you just listed, which was 40, only 43% among the overall sample. And in fact, Beyond the Biden people, if you are not supporting Joe Biden at this point, only 34 percent of those people who are not who are supporting other candidates besides Joe Biden say they are definitely sure of their vote. So that goes to speak to why Biden's not only is the the front runner, uh, but he's actually got more solid support than is commonly understood because people I mean, Bernie has hardcore support. I'm really surprised at his positive idea among Democrats writ large in this poll. But. Uh, Biden's support seems more solid than conventional wisdom would suggest for someone who seems to be the, oh, well, he can win, so I'm not that enthusiastic. And doesn't this also, when you look at this poll, it looks like Elizabeth Warren is gaining, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't look like she's taking it from Joe Biden. 
That no. I, I think is correct. I mean, she has been climbing over this summer as Joe Biden's been hanging around 30 percent. So think she's taking it from she's taking the lower it tier? A li- Yeah, taking it a little bit from Harris, right? She's taking it mm. a little bit from Bernie Sanders, who, you know, they share some similarities in their base of support, but not completely, not as much as you might think. So she's climbing uh, regardless of whether Biden's sticking around at 30 percent. And I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, is this a three-person race at this point with Warren, Biden, and Sanders, or is it closer to a two-person race between Warren and Biden, which is certainly what the media wants to make it out to be, though this poll suggests that Sanders should be right up there with those other two. Look, even though we've seen that the debates um, haven't had a major effect on the rankings to date, um, I think it's still, you can see a top tier, and it's around five or six folks. What about the, uh, when you look at the early state polls, Harry, what are they, I mean, they paint an interesting story right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look, you know, for instance, when the ABC News Washington Post poll came out, there was also a bunch of CBS YouGov polls, CBS News YouGov polls. And what they suggested was that Biden was in a weaker position relative to the field in the early states besides South Carolina, which right. obviously has a majority African-American electorate. I will point out, you know, CBS, U- CBS News YouGov is an internet poll, and, you know, they are among the best of that particular type. But when it comes to internet polling, figuring out how exactly you're doing waiting becomes a very, very difficult thing in a primary. And Bernie Sanders was significantly higher in those polls. He was in a close second place in Iowa. He was in a close third place in New Hampshire. He was leading in Nevada, which was somewhat different than a lot of the data that we've been seeing. So it's just an interesting little nugget. There's one other interesting thing in this poll I want to get to, which is that while overwhelmingly the number one issue is who can beat Trump, that's been consistent, but it's actually upticked over time. Democrats are pretty agnostic about whether somebody is old. I thought that was really interesting. They they say it doesn't matter. The gender doesn't matter. Being older than 70 doesn't matter, obviously, because the top three candidates all are. Race doesn't matter and sexuality doesn't matter. Overwhelmingly among Democrats. Not sure that's true for the general electorate, but it says a lot about where the Democratic Party is. Can I ask, just when it comes to polling, if you're asked, you know, does a candidate's sexuality matter? If you will support them or not, is there like a polling bias? Sure, with I mean that there, question. There, I wonder. I, I'm just. I'm talking. I'm thinking about all of these things. Like, do people just not want to appear like they're going to say, "I'm not comfortable with an older person"? Yeah, I mean, I will point out that there was an NBC News poll, Wall Street Journal, that was done earlier this year, which suggested that being over the age of 75 was actually people didn't necessarily want to nominate someone who was over the age of 75, which is obviously a bad thing for Sanders, and it is for um, uh, Biden as well. One thing I will point out, you know, when it comes to sexuality, look, if you look at the Gallup polling nationally, what you see is that about three quarters of Americans nationwide say that they are ready to vote for a gay president, which is significantly lower than, say, the 90 plus who say they're willing, ready to vote for a Jewish American to be president, ready to vote for an African-American president. So I do wonder a little bit whether that hurts Buttigieg, especially among African-American Democrats who tend to be the most socially conservative of the bunch. When you're looking at the CBS YouGov poll... Uh, when across the early states, with the notable exception of South Carolina, the, it, there's kind of some consensus. What is it about South Carolina? I mean, what's, what is about South Carolina is the majority of the electorate is African-American. More than that, and we know that Joe Biden's obviously doing very, very well with that group. More than that, Joe Biden has 
basically made South Carolina a second home over the past few years, or past few years, probably before I was born, actually. <laughs> um, and he's obviously has relationships down there. He had relationships with um, Fritz Hollings, who was the longtime senator down there. He yeah. has relationships with Jim Clyburn, who's obviously the highest ranking African-American in the Democratic caucus. So this is, to me, a state where the question is, can Joe Biden actually get to South Carolina intact? Can he win either Iowa or New Hampshire? Because if he can, then South Carolina can provide him with that boost. But if he can't win either Iowa or New Hampshire, there's a real question in my mind whether or not the African-American support will wait around for him and be able to boost him. So now we've got kind of a lay of the land of their where they're standing in the polls as they head into this next debate. We're going to take a short break, but when we get back, we're going to continue this pre-debate combo, how it's going to play out on the debate stage, and then we're going to switch gears and talk about the Republican primary race. That's up next. been, friends, two prior rounds of debates. First in June in Miami, two nights. Then July in Detroit, two nights. And now we are down to one night. Ten candidates on the stage. But the question, we've discussed this after the last debates, and I wonder where you are today, John, on what have we learned from the past debates on how much they actually impact the race? What's stunning to me is they've had very little impact. This has been a fairly steady race. We've seen breakout performances lead to sort of meteoric rise in the polls. Kamala Harris, that first debate, Mm -hmm. she really rose, and then she really fell back down. I think Elizabeth Warren has benefited from debate performances. Big caveat, and this is why this debate matters more perhaps than the others, is that the top-tier candidates are all on one stage. There are people I wish were on the stage that aren't, but so you're going to – you may get more focused attention. But Biden has been solid despite debate performance people have been uninspired by, and, and Booker and Castro had really strong debates – and they haven't really moved in the polls. So, Harry, when people say, need to have a breakout moment, do, does the polling show you that? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, certainly it would help if you're very low down in the polls. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you need anything that can help you at that point. But sure. I, I think what we know from polling in the past and debates in the past is that the real thing you want to do in a debate is not F it up. Right. Donald Trump in the polling did not win a single one of the Republican debates during the 2016 primary, according to the polls. But he didn't lose any of them, according to the voters. And Joe Biden, most polling did not indicate that he won the second debate or this, the set of second debates in Detroit. But he held steady versus if you look at the first debate, the polling indicated that overwhelmingly voters thought that he had lost it. So to me, what your big thing in a debate, especially if you're one of the front runners, is you basically want to hold your own, keep the tide moving in the direction that it's moving in versus if you're in one of the lower tiers, then maybe you want one of those breakout moments like Harris had. But of course, recognize the fact that just because you have a breakout moment doesn't mean it will continue being a steady, nice upward stream for you. You need to then back it up after the debate. So when it comes to questions that are asked on the, to the, on the debate stage, it all comes down to issues or things that they've said on the trail recently that need clarifying or fighting over, whichever you whichever way you want to put it. In the CBS News YouGov poll of the early contest, the issues that matter to Democrats are as follows in this order. Healthcare, healthcare, climate change, guns, income inequality, and education. 
to me, that seems largely the same since the midterms in 2018. What does that then mean on the debate stage? Because are we going to see like piling on the Obama administration 2.0 in this debate? I think we might. I think, though, the number one thing you mentioned there was health care, which was the number one issue in the midterm elections and helped put Democrats back in the House majority. And there is a real divide. There is a real divide within the Democratic party at this point, whether or not, especially on that debate stage, whether or not you want to take the Affordable Care Act, build on it, perhaps add a public option, as is the case with Joe Biden and Amy Klobuchar, or whether it's the case that you want to have some form of Medicare for all, which is the position of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And we know from the polling that, in fact, the public option is the more popular position, despite the fact that the candidate who's risen most over the last few months, Elizabeth Warren, is actually in favor of Medicare for all. So I think that there's going to be some, quote unquote, attacks on Elizabeth Warren about that position. The rest of it, not a real surprise, although I will point out, you know, climate change to me is interesting. The polling has suggested for a while now that that's a top issue for Democrats. It didn't used to be. And so we had, obviously, the climate uh, change town hall here on CNN. Uh, And so I will be interested to see whether or not the candidates try and position themselves, especially Elizabeth Warren, who has co-opted much of Jay Inslee's plan. What's striking to me is that the real contrast is between the two parties on this issue. Democrats may be debating between single payer and public option, and it's pretty clear which is more practical and uh, popular. But, you know, Donald Trump doesn't have a health care plan. The government's trying to actively overturn what's left of the ACA in a New Orleans federal court. That could come down before the election. Climate change, the president's a denialist. Guns stalled intentionally. Um, Income inequality, a tax plan that has increased income inequality. Uh, And education... No real activist plan. I think a a division on charters is probably all there is. So Democrats can have these sort of ideological fantasy, you know, magical mystery tours about who can be further to the left. But the fact is they're confronting an administration and a party that is absolutely anti all of them. And that uh, reality could change their focus. You also point out, John, um, that this... What's different, really different about this debate is the top tier are all on the same sta- all on the same stage, mm-hmm. all together for the first time, right next to each other. I, I want to play what Elizabeth Warren told Democrats in New Hampshire this weekend because I think it might give a clue onto who she might be targeting. Mm-hmm. There is a lot at stake, and people are scared. But we can't choose a candidate we don't believe in because we're scared. She can only be talking about one person mm-hmm. here. If she makes that same this same argument on Thursday, what does Biden say back? Because this is an argument that Jill Biden has been making. Yeah, and and this is a, you know what Warren is saying is an argument of what Pete Buttigieg is saying, and it's really the argument you have if you haven't been in poll position the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and you can take some comfort from the fact that uh, Democrats have historically gone for the hot hand. Um, and, and, and Republicans have gone for the next in line. In 2016, that totally shifted. Republicans went for the hot hand. Democrats went for the, ne- uh, the, the, the next in line. And look what happened. That'll be an argument they can make. The problem is, is that it's very clear that Biden does best over and over again in key swing states compared to Donald Trump. All of them maybe do well in a head to head. And so Biden's argument will be, look, guys. This election is too serious. The times are too serious to take an ideological flyby on somebody hoping they can sneak through if you run the risk of reelecting Donald Trump. 
I would just say this. It is very difficult to stand on the debate stage when you, the opposing candidates are all firing on you and hold your ground. But the polling does suggest that the Fox News asked, would you rather basically have a fresh start? Would you rather, you know, move in a new direction or would you rather essentially go back to the way things used to be? And you might have expected in the Democratic Party that they would say that we want the fresh face, we want new, new direction, so on and so forth. But in fact, 60 percent of Democratic primary voters said that they want to essentially go back to how things used to be. And that, to me, is the position that Biden needs and, to hold. And, and even though even though that's a loaded phraseology yeah, from a It doesn't, it doesn't sound right? good from the how about, debate how about, yeah. Let's go back to things the way, the way things, things were. were. How about, like, make America America again, make America sane again, whatever the variations that Biden and folks have thrown out. Um, you know, it, it, it's not simply an O'Biden-Trump uh, – O'Biden. Uh, O'Biden. I'm going <laughs> to like stick that. with that, actually. He's, an O'Biden-Trump referendum. Um, I, I – you know – it is about sort of asserting a deeper principles, not moving four years into the past. Before we go, I want to move on yeah, and yeah. talk about the other side of the aisle. On Sunday, former South Carolina governor and congressman um, Mark Sanford announced on Fox that he was going to join Bill Weld and Joe Walsh to challenge Donald Trump in a Republican primary. Um, I, Harry, what are his chances? Uh, what's the chance that I will go vegan? <laughs> Um, zero. His chance is a little bit north of zero. I've learned that you don't assign zero probabilities to the future because you but never. But does that quite... mean you? Does that mean he shouldn't get in the race? No, it doesn't mean that. If you if you're a politician or you're an American and you believe that you want to suggest an alternate future for the country, then you should get into the race. Uh, look, President Donald Trump's approval rating among Republicans is somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty-five to ninety percent nationally. It's basically the same in New Hampshire. That being being said, there is some softness to that belly insofar as the strongly approved, whether it be in New Hampshire or nationally, is somewhere between 60 and 65 percent, which means that there's 35 to 40 percent of the rep- potential Republican electorate that doesn't strongly approve that might be open to your message. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. There's also our CNN UNH poll found that, in fact, less than a majority of uh, New Hampshire Republicans um, wanted the president to essentially go unopposed in the primary. So there is an opening for a message. I don't think it's going to ultimately be successful, but certainly there are some people within the Republican primary electorate who it, want to hear it. But it's not about solely being successful in defeating Donald Trump in a primary. You run for a couple different reasons against a sitting president. You run out of principle. You run out of policy differences. You run because you think he's taking the country or the party in the wrong direction. All those things apply for the Republicans, um, especially elected Republicans. What I think is notable is that you've got Bill Weld, who was a governor in the 1990s. Mark Sanford, at least, was governor of South Carolina and seriously considered running in 2012 before he blew up his marriage, and, but then was reelected to the House. He had to go for house. a hike. He had to go for, he had to go for a hike. Um, Exercise but is he important. Can, he can make a credible case that he's always stood for fiscal responsibility yes. and the party's abandoned that. Um, what's infuriating to me is that South Carolina, his home state, shut down their primary. Um, and that uh, Nevada is doing it as well. And Arizona and, and Kansas. Yeah. So so, uh, that's right. And so there is really a impulse here to shut down debate by party leaders if folks are having the temerity to challenge Donald Trump. That reflects an undemocratic impulse, little d. 
That is a disagreement with debate, one healthy debate within the party. And when Pat Buchanan ran, I just went back and looked. Mm-hmm. First of all, he, he lost to uh, George H.W. Bush in New Hampshire, but he put a dent in him, and, and it be- led to a big debate. Under Re- Reagan and Ford, 1976, always lauded as a heroic crusade by conservatives, it took him a long time to win the first of his 10 or so primary victories. So this is a departure from precedent, and, and conservatives always want a robust debate inside the party unless they're in power, and then they want to shut it down, and I think that's dangerous. Why are you not as bothered by this, Harry, that the South Carolina and others are not holding primaries? Maybe. Well, I mean, first of all, South Carolina says they're going to save money. Yeah. What South Carolina Republicans say they're, they're saving something please, like $150,000. Hey, fiscal responsibility, John. Hey, Mark responsibility. Sanford should be I, behind it. I resemble that remark. Again, my, 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 my father will be definitely voting in said primary, and I have a feeling they don't really care <laughs> about um, the money on this one. <laughs> Look, John can comment on this a little bit more, but the fact is that canceling primaries isn't something new. It has happened in past years. Very rarely when the president is opposed. Right. Uh, but That's that's but, not a but, right. But, but that's a big deal. I no, 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 no. I mean, it, the fact was, I believe that there were primaries that were canceled in 1992, were there not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, the idea essentially being... And not that, early states. Uh, right. Uh, the idea being that it's not necessarily unusual, that ne- it was perhaps unusual, the number and the speed at which it's occurring, but it, I don't think it's a norm breaker, which is something I'm always looking for. It's not a norm breaker insofar as canceling primaries does happen. Maybe it's a little bit more than usual. But then again, presidents don't tend to have the approval ratings that Donald Trump has with the Republican Party right now. I mean, come on. To me, it's just on its face. It really is just anti-democratic. I mean, I'm not saying it's not anti-democratic. I'm not saying it's anti-democratic. And it's not just here's the thing that I don't know. Maybe this makes no difference, but it's not just one person running against the president. There are now three people who want to run in the primary. Like them, don't like them, think they're fabulous, think they have no chance, and they should go back on the Appalachian Trail. There are now three of them. Why not let yeah. them vote? I guess the, I, I have, first off, I have no problem with letting people vote. I like when Harry people vote. Harry is anti-democratic. Um, <laughs> and seen. And seen. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I think there is a real question. You know, you say, oh, there are three people. Well, there are more than three people running. There are a ton of people who were never heard of who are running. Now, you could argue whether or not Joe Walsh, uh, Bill Weld and Mark Sanford are serious challengers or not. I think there's some question as to that. Mm-hmm. But look, I, I, I think at the end of the day, this is what it is. And the, no, Republican but- pro- and the Republican parties in this country can choose the way that they select nominees. This is not a general election where everyone has the right to vote. Parties control the apparatus. Mm-hmm. It's a party-run primary in South Carolina. And the fact is we used to select candidates in back rooms. Perhaps going back to that might not be such a bad idea, according to some people. And more than that, we hold caucuses as well. Well, and sometimes those caucuses but, don't line up. But with this is a coronation. It's being it's being absolutely done by parties to shut down debate. And if Donald Trump was in such a power player position, wouldn't he want to trounce you know, Mark Sanford in his home state? Why is he afraid? This doesn't allow for a tweet opportunity. This I mean a primary, a very clear primary win would allow such a great tweet opportunity. Sometimes fear of the unknown is a fear that leads to anger, and anger leads to shutting down debate. Fear of the unknown. <laughs> that should be the new sub-headline of our entire podcast. That's how I feel every time I walk in the room. Fear of what is going to happen. Okay, on that, <laughs> that note, that does it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a rating or a comment. It does help new listeners find the show and you can always find us on Twitter I'm at Kate Baldwin John at John Avalon 
And I'm at Forecaster Enton. Yes. And next week, yet another Forecaster with the Enton. Special thanks to our team behind the scenes, Amy Eason, Lauren Moore, Emma Soslowski. We'll see you right back here next time on the Forecast Best. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.